999 mode activated. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Sirens with me, Andrew. On episode three today, we are discussing what it's like to be gold and overseeing major incidents. Now, don't worry, I had no idea what it meant to be on gold when I first heard that phrase, but I promise it's exciting and you'll find out in a few moments time. With three long service legends, this episode is going to be a good one and also features some classic overshares from a couple of our guests. So sit back and relax as we delve into responsibilities, emotions, and the disruptive nature of being in charge during some of the service's most stressful moments. Before we kick things off, why not subscribe on Spotify or Apple and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Sirens. We've got three guests with us this week. We have got Peter Rhodes, Graham Norton, and Stuart Crichton. I'm going to do a little bit of a biography at the moment to introduce you. So if I get anything wrong, let me know, because I stole it off your LinkedIn's. Peter Rhodes started in 1999 as a paramedic, and you are now, what's your job title? Uh, well, I started as a call taker, actually, so I started oh, taking 999 calls. Oh, so I got calls, it wrong already, okay. Um, okay, we'll score that out. I'm not editing that out. <laughs> and I'm um, now Assistant Director of Operations, so I currently cover North Central London. Lovely, and according to your LinkedIn, you recently completed a Master's. Uh, I did, yeah, so two years ago, I completed my Master's at Birmingham University in Health Leadership. Okay, amazing. Graham, you started in 1994. Correct. What, what's your job title? Uh, I'm Assistant Director for Operations. Amazing. And Stuart, 1991. That's right, yes. And you, I, I don't know what you started as. What do you start as and what do you do now? I started as an ambulance cadet. I wasn't even an adult when I started in this job. I was uh, 16 and three quarters. And that was in 1991? Yes. Um, we've actually also got John in the room who's observing, and he was born in... 1995. 19... That doesn't help. <laughs> it's not helpful. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, that's awful. <laughs> oh, no. I was maybe one when you started. <laughs> but between you, you have a collective 73 years' experience wow. in the wow. London Ambulance Service. Yes, yeah, extraordinary. So we are fortunate today to have you here. Um, but first, before we get on with the main podcast, I want to find out a little bit more about you. And the best way to do that for our listeners is for you each to tell me one thing that no one else knows about you. I'm going to give you three seconds and then I'm going to... Oh, great. The bell doesn't work. Peter, That's the worst get... bell ever. Wait, hold on. Hey, Time's it does up. Work. You're first, Peter. Uh, what does no one know about me? Um, I used to dance in bars. <laughs> that's what I. That's what no, I did. You're sitting quite far back this. in your seat. If you lean it back in and tell the phone that again. Um, yeah. So I used to. Um, yeah, I used to be a dancing barman. Wow. Okay. <laughs> before I, before I um, before... joined the um, before I was a nine 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 call taker. Uh, I used to be a dancing barman in um, in the north. In fact, in the building that Channel Four are just moving into. Uh, in Leeds, you know they're moving to Leeds. In that very okay. building is uh, where I uh, where I started my career. In a <laughs> wow, <laughs> we're going to come back to that in during um, the podcast. I was hoping not, but let's see. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I'm not sure many people will know that, Stuart. 
How do you top that? I don't know how you top that. Um, I wasn't a very good dancing barman. I can juggle. Okay. Three of anything. Okay. Hand-sized things. Can I get your pen? And that pen? Oh my God, I've got to do it. I'm going to do some actual juggling. Yes. That's good for a podcast. Right, here we go. Okay, Stuart's got three pens. Hey, um, there we go, there we go. Uh, I'm not clear you can actually juggle. <laughs> yeah, who We're told just, you? <laughs> you just found some pens in that room. <laughs> We're going to take that back there. That was very good, Stuart. Yeah, well no, done. Welcome. Graham, can you top it all off? Um, well, I was European middleweight full contact kickboxing champion from 1988 to 1992 for four oh years. Let's <laughs> top it all off. Tell me more about that. What do you want to know? Um, More. So that was on the European circuit in fighting in Denmark, Belgium, France, Germany, uh, across Europe. Uh, and I lost it very badly to a Frenchman in 1992. Oh. Okay. Um, then had to try and get back in my car on a ferry with several broken bones sitting <laughs> for several hours on a ferry in a lot of pain. And then you well, came straight here. There you go. Amazing. Well, thank you. I really hope that our listeners have learned a little bit more about you. I'm sure everyone in the service has. Um, so, today we're talking about being gold and major incidents, but we're going to start off straight away with asking what is gold? Stuart, what does it mean to be gold? What is gold? Um, so we've got a structure in the trust of, um, of uh, managing incidents uh, and uh, day-to-day activities. And, and we've got a tiered system uh, that's in a, a bronze, bronze, silver and gold uh, type structure. So bronze is the strategic role, um, silver is the, uh, the tactical role and bronze is the operational type level. Um, so to put it into context, correct me if I'm wrong guys, Bronze are the doers on the ground and, and, and get stuff done. Uh, the tactical level is organising it and the strategic level is um, making sure it's all glued together in a in a complete piece. Is, is that oversimplifying it? Is you're right. No, yeah, that sounds good, actually. Uh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, we've got approval. And we're sitting in the gold suite right now. Yes. Which is apt. Graham, can you describe the gold suite? What does it do? So the gold suite is a rather large room. Um, if, if if I look ahead, like near, I've got four sort of uh, probably about 32 inch TV screens on the wall uh, and to my left on the main wall, one really big screen, which is a sort of interactive screen, which when there is a gold major incident or a critical incident we have to attend, uh, this room is used for the gold group to sit. Uh, and in this room, uh, we can have live forecasts from, for example, Sky. Mm. And sometimes we can link into the, the police helicopter uh, so we can have an over, over oh. an overview of any incident we're trying to manage, and it's like a secure room, if you like. So when we are gold or a strategic commander for an incident, this is this is a sealed room uh, where we can manage a very large incident. Uh, for example, London Bridge, Westminster Bridge, the attacks we've had recently in London um, that can be protracted. But this room is is solely called Gold Suite. So if any incident occurs at any time, twenty four seven, one of us. Uh, as goals or strategic commander can, can have this room um, to, to run that instant. Amazing, and then you're locked in. Who are you, who are you locked in with? So we have a, a goal group, uh, which consists of a strategic commander, which is one of us at our level, uh, which runs the incident. 
uh, and there's a, there's a there's a set group of people that we have in the gold group from uh, for the medical directorate, uh, EPRR, which is our emergency planning, resilience and response unit, uh, and specialists areas that come in, logists um, that that help us manage the incident, not just that incident, but the recovery of that incident, so we can maintain BA business mm -hmm. as usual for the, for the patients in London. While yeah. any incident goes on, we have to maintain. Uh, the level of service we want to give our, our patients in London. Lovely. And Peter, you've, you guys have got a lot of responsibility, but can you tell us what a typical week is like for someone on gold? Um, I mean, it's, so we've got a day job, first of all. So a typical week um, largely consists of doing what we would normally do in terms of running sectors or running areas of the business that we are responsible for. Um, and then, I mean, I guess your gold responsibilities probably come in two different ways. One is a one is a before your week is to understand what your week looks like. What does the staffing look like? What does the demand look like? So we meet every Tuesday. In fact, we met this morning. We talked about what this weekend looks like and what next week looks like. So you've got an idea in your head of um, you know, what what's what does my gold week look like? And also, you have the responsibility for reap as well. So the responsibility for changing the reap level and deciding the reap level sits with um, the gold who is there at the time uh, and then in the week it's about uh, or in your time as gold uh, it's a couple of different things one is keeping an eye on the service just making sure that we are providing safe service to patients all of the time um, obviously we have an on-duty 24-hour IDM team and IRO team so some people to do it but just overseeing that all of that's happening and making sure there is a, a tactical plan in place and also being responsive if you need to. So sometimes because of the experience we have, people will ring you for advice about situations that are unusual. Uh, we will keep an eye on things like listening to action um, to make sure that there aren't any bubbling issues there that we need to, we need to know about and we need to resolve. And obviously uh, if something happens, then we would respond um, into Waterloo, but it would be fairly, something fairly significant to happen for a gold level person to respond to. Yeah. Anything to add, Stuart? Um, you no, know, and I, I think um, uh, it's it's really that uh, you know to to expand that a little bit is a gold's the end of the chain, uh, and I think in terms of the responsibility, um, you're it in terms of an on call function. So uh, being on call, you know, part of being on call is you're on call for a few days. So actually, your your life changes in that you've got to be available. Um, uh, to take calls to, to, to do work um, uh, and that's a formal function of being on call but there is no one else on you above mm. you uh, that's on call uh, and so that adds to the responsibility that actually that the phone a friend of course there are people we can call but there's no one waiting for your call and I yeah. think from a bronze level a silver level and staff level there is always someone to call yeah. and, and I found when I got to gold level is you run out of people to talk to <laughs> in, in that, so you end up having to support each other in yeah. decision making yeah right, so. and let's tap into the sort of emotional side of being gold you, you talked about sort of being the end of the chain there that level of responsibility is high and you're essentially looking after London, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I tell people. I'm, I'm in charge of London today. Yeah, when <laughs> that I'm, was uh, a quote unquote from what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking after London today, God help us. That's, uh... <laughs> what does that, Graham, what does that feel like? Um, it's, it varies. I mean, there, there can be times, uh, for example, um, leading up to what we call winter pressures, uh, which can start sort of any time, well, do they finish, but they can start 
later on in the year working up towards sort of Christmas and our new year period which is exceptionally busy so any time from sort of October onwards then that's a really busy time you know summer again but can be busy but you know things like this this next few days I think Friday or Saturday we're, we're mm. anticipating 30 degrees so as Peter said earlier you know as gold you're now thinking ahead you know what's that going to be like Friday night and Saturday night you know we've got a payday weekend coming up uh, where people are going to get paid Thursday or Friday mm. thereabouts so we have to start thinking you know as gold you know I, I'm not gold this week my, one of my colleagues is but if I was gold this week I'd be thinking you know I clear everything <laughs> so as Stuart said you have to be available you've got your phone and your pager with you 24 7 literally and you know you're going to be busy this weekend um, so emotionally it's quite difficult uh, because you can't you can't make too many plans outside of London uh, yes. or, or you know things like booking meals you know you can do but you know there's a high risk when it's really busy that you're going to be interrupted so that 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 comes with the responsibility and comes with the job we do but um, as Stuart said which is really helpful for the group uh, that we have a good relationship between the gold group where we can contact each other and that's important to have that support yeah and as I said especially when we have things like you know the terrorist attacks we have suffered yeah, course, yeah. and things like that where you've got those people that can support you and you can talk to anytime literally 24 7 we can ring each other uh, yeah. for that support but you know it, it can be a lonely place yeah um, absolutely it can absolutely be a lonely place when you've got that Stuart said that's the end of the line could all the people before you get to go where you you've been asking people for years about oh, what would you do what would you do they're all now asking you yeah <laughs> and when it's when it's out of hours you know it's okay when you you know maybe Monday to Friday when you're in here at sort of three o'clock in the afternoon because you've got people around yeah you can rely on each other though right absolutely yeah. it's a good team you feel yeah. it's good very good yeah how many so. golds are there so we've got eight operational golds at the moment and we're increasing the team. So we've got some um, uh, some teams, uh, we're growing the team, but we've got eight signed off. I'm, I'm looking left yes. and right. Yes, yes. Uh, that, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's an eight-week roster, so yeah. one week in eight we'd expect to be doing seven days' worth, yes. of, although it's split across a couple yeah. of days, seven days' worth of being gold 24 hours a day. Yeah. So for resilience also, what each, each of the golds has is what we call a gold shadow. So we've got someone that shadows oh. us or, or, or works with us that, that's coming up through through the ranks or through through uh, coming up to the position where they can be gold. And there's a specific course that has to be done to be signed off as gold, but, but part of the shadow is so they can watch us and learn from us over, over quite a lengthy period of time mm -hmm. uh, to be exposed to the sort of decisions we have to make. Yeah, one week in eight, I imagine that one week in eight can be quite disruptive you're on call, you get calls any time of the day. Yeah. Um, Stuart was telling us, Peter, that you once took a conference call whilst in the bath. <laughs> that, I said, oh, luckily, thanks, it was, it was luckily, before, <laughs> luckily, before we had FaceTime. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. You, I mean, you do end up in situations where I mean, I, I, run, I run conference calls in cars outside places where I. But we're doing. talking about the bath. <laughs> no, let's distract ourselves from that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, you, you do genuinely have to do calls. Yes, I think I did Great. do a capacity at a hospital capacity call once. 
Uh, but you, you've got to do what you can wherever you, wherever course, you do. Sometimes um, you'll get paged for literally a conference call in five minutes. Yeah. So mm. you can't go and do things like So you can't go to the cinema, for example. So you couldn't go and watch a film. Yeah. Because you can't hear a page. And you, you need to be these, clean. And these so. are the sort of. And you, yeah, absolutely. And you, just, you need to smell good. Whatever happens. <laughs> yes. I do entirely so you're. That is really important. They can smell good. But it is, I mean, it is a, it's a bizarre thing, really, because if you get called out at four o'clock in the morning, there is the bit about do I have a shower before I go into work because you've just got out of bed and those sort of strange mm. things you know the things that you don't yeah. normally think about um, sort of come into your mind it's a bit it's yeah. very odd really you know how, how time critical are these we've all got blue light cars yes. so we can respond quite fast into into mm. places but um, yeah well thanks for sharing that that one Peter <laughs> thanks Peter that's okay <laughs> and, um, yeah. I'm bruised I want to hear um, maybe just an example of when you've received a call at an inconvenient time? I, I, I mean, I, I've received one on the M25 uh, when I, I've been driving uh, and that's p in people that have wanted information there and then uh, yeah. and that's quite high level commissioners uh, that wanted information about an ongoing incident um, and I literally couldn't get the information because clearly I was on the N25 and you can't just stop at the N25. No, you cannot. But the expectation from those those commissioners that were that were phoning me was actually we need this information to help us do make the next decision. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's expected you have that information. Can't just so be lower. So I had you? to then cut that call, make a call to someone that, that could get information. Yeah. Uh, but as Peter said, that that it's often you know we need to have a conference call in five minutes. Yeah. yeah. And Stuart, I heard that you can often be found around the frozen food aisle in Tesco. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing there? That's, uh, what are you my, doing there, Stuart? Pushing my trolley round. Nothing else. Nothing <laughs> to see here. Uh, yeah, no. I was telling you that actually, I, you know, you spend a lot of time on your phone, and and you life still goes on. You you, you know, you still got your days off, and you still got um, things to do, uh, and you end up carrying a little bag round with you with a, a phone, a pen, and uh, uh, a bit of paper to scribble stuff on. Um, and that can be anywhere. So at the um, yeah, at the frozen R, R seven, Hatfield Tesco's. It's your safe place, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. It's always quiet around the frozen food. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's cold, uh, And trying to have confidential conversations when you're out and about is hard work. And, and yeah. Um, uh, and you know some of the issues we deal with. You know we 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 talk about big issues uh, in terms of big big incidents and things like that. But we also deal with, you know, sensitive staff issues and, and you know, staff welfare actually is really important in, in looking after our staff. And sometimes, mm. you know, if staff are unwell on duty or there's been an accident or something, um, you know, discussing those sorts of issues when you're out and about can, you know, mm -hmm. can, be, can be difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to sort of touch upon just now um, another kind of aspects to Beyond Gold and we're going to talk about major incidents. Mm -hmm. What is a major incident? Oh uh, God, there's a textbook but yeah, it's like yeah, a test. A you didn't tell me it was a test. I mean, there is a definition and it's, it's largely speaking about the number of resources you need to manage an incident are larger than what you have available to you. You need to put special arrangements, I think is the phrase, the phrase it uses. You need to put some sort of special arrangements in place. Um, so, I mean, it can be <coughs> things that are big and involve lots and lots and lots of casualties, uh, or it could be where you have lots of, uh, a small number of casualties, mm. all of whom require a specialism, for example. So if lots of people get burned, mm -hmm. um, actually that might require us to put special arrangements in place because we'll need, need to move people into hospitals all over the place. 
Um, so it's where we need to do something different in order to continue to provide our core service and also to provide yeah. service to an instance, broadly speaking. And what type of activities are involved for you guys when there is a major incident? Who's going to nominate themselves for this one? Well, we're very much, as Stuart said earlier, we're well, very much the, uh, the simplest way I think to explain it is we are the umbrella, if you like, overseeing the whole incident. Uh, um, that we have a, a cadre of people below us uh, from the, the silver level, the bronze levels, and all the other people that work with those people, and the staff also, our staff that attend the incident. Um, and the majority of incidents we do attend are also attended by the, the, our colleagues in the Metropolitan Police Service, mm -hmm. the London Fire Brigade, and also local authorities. You know, an awful lot of people get involved with any incident. But our role as the strategic commander is to maintain, you know, as Peter said, business as usual, maintain patient safety. You know, are we a safe organisation during the incident? Is the incident being managed appropriately and safely? Mm -hmm. And as strategic commander, I'd be looking to then look, if you like, 10, 12, 15, 20 hours ahead. You know, what does tomorrow look like? Mm -hmm. You know, have we got the staff in tomorrow? Because as, as Peter said, you know, a major incident will have a, like a predetermined attendance we send to it. That, that drains resources that, that we need to, mm -hmm. you know, the, mm -hmm. the phones don't stop ringing. If we've got yeah. a major incident, people unfortunately still have heart attacks, babies, strokes, all the normal stuff we do daily, you know, 24 seven, that still happens. So we have to still attend to that and we have to make sure tomorrow we can still maintain the level of safety that we give, you know, our Londoners every day. Yeah. And you guys obviously have 73 years combined experience in the service, so you, you know what you're doing. You seem pretty calm right now, it seems like you, you've got everything in control, but <coughs> are there not times when maybe you know that a major or serious incident has, is happening, you're jumping in your car in the middle of the night, plopping your blue siren on your car, what's going through your head? What type of emotions? Do you still get that sense of adrenaline, fear, anxiety? I, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question. So I would, the answer, and I've been, been in this situation a load of times, mm. actually, the only way of doing that is to focus on driving safely to where you're meant to be. <laughs> uh, and I know it's a very textbook answer, but if you start thinking your way through the whole of the instance on the way down there, actually, you are progressing quite quickly. And you know, and I've driven in on blue lights to lots and lots of different things. Um, if you start thinking about that, then you're not gonna focus on driving safely um, mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. Uh, but it is, I, I guess your thoughts when you arrive are, what is the current situation? Um, what resources are, there? there's an immediacy about what is currently happening, what is currently needed, is the incident being managed? What is the state of the rest of the service? And then it's putting your strategic head straight on. So the, the part of the, the strategic part of it it's not being involved in detail. Mm. So the questions are, have you got a predetermined attendance? So the amount of vehicles you need, have you got the resource you need right now? Uh, and that's that. Uh, and then moving yourself onto things like um, communication. So we've got we've got legal responsibilities under the um, civil civil contingencies act. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So are we are we fulfilling our obligations in terms of warning the public about what's happening? In terms of telling other people what to do? In terms of all of the, the statutory responsibilities we have in an instant? Are we doing? those things and that's the stuff we've got to work through and are we logging and recording everything we're doing right from the minute we can do yeah
and are our, are our staff safe? You know, it's uh, yeah. uh, something unusual is happening, and, and and in the climate of what's happened over the last couple of well, you, you know, the last couple of decades. But you know, are are our, sta our staff safe um, as first responders? Mm -hmm. yeah. and we don't know that sometimes I mean I can yeah. recall quite so I dealt with London Bridge for example and that was a big thing in our minds we were in this very room and there was a long period of time in which we did not know if all of the people we had deployed in there were safe and well and had not come to harm and you know and that what part of what we need to do is set this sort of strategic direction that we need to maintain people's wellness and also that we need it reporting back with a yes or no that we've accounted for everybody Actually, one of the decisions we took quite early on was to tell everybody else. So we used Twitter, for example, to say all of our staff are accounted for and well, so mm. that their own colleagues who were sitting at home seeing this on the news knew that their own colleagues were quite well. And that's mm. something we hadn't done before, but we started to talk to our own teams through, through social media to say everybody is quite well at it. But that's quite hard, particularly if you get here quite fast and you're quite mm. involved and the incident is still ongoing. Mm. Um, getting a getting a slant on what's what's happening is really hard work. Yeah. Really hard work. Because there's an awful lot going on at the first stage of an incident. There's an awful lot of information to to digest. Uh, and and really trying to piece that together is, is quite difficult. And we talked about the room in here and, and the uh, the equipment we've got, but we've got lots of whiteboards and low tech. It's really scribbling down. Uh, what's the information as it's coming in and trying to yeah, make yeah. sense of it because if we sit here now and talk about the incidents we've responded to uh, Grenfell, London Bridge, Westminster we now know exactly what happened but actually go back to the first 10 minutes the first hour mm. of those incidents yeah. we really don't know what's going on and you're having to piece it together like a puzzle um, but it's a really um, uh, it's a really difficult puzzle in, in, in making sure that we've got um, we've got the pieces uh, yeah. and, then, and then we're providing the right response. And we've, there's been a lot of learning. I think if you look, think back to 7-7, uh, where we had a multi-sited incident, that was really difficult because actually your mindset is you're dealing with one incident and actually suddenly there's bits of information that suggest actually this isn't one place, it's two. Uh, and then that expands to three, four yeah. and five. Um, and actually, it's our job to, to, to keep on top of that and mm -hmm. make sure that we're getting the resources to the right place. Yeah. So, Stuart, we're just going to, before we move on to our final part of the podcast, which is one of my favourites, um, I want to just touch on what you were saying yesterday. So yesterday you were saying um, how incidents... Um, particularly major severe incidents are often seen as a moment in time but for the service it has a lot more implications and impact um, about for, for ongoing support just tell us a little bit more about that uh, yeah so um, we've got to remember we're we're responding generally to uh, to casualties that are people but also our staff are people um, and uh, yes we have our suit of armor of uh, being um, uh, clinicians and responders and we've got a job to do but, but actually, we're, we're not dealing with normal circumstances. We're not dealing with, we're dealing with very traumatic scenes, um, uh, difficult, complicated scenes, and a stressful environment. Um, and so at the time, it's stressful. And I think everyone accepts that. In, it, it, there's a big inc incident. Uh, people uh, find that stressful. But actually, that's just the start. And that actually, um, that might have been the third major incident someone's attended mm. in quite a short space of time or it might be the first one they've attended and they were overwhelmed with stuff. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and so actually, they, you know, they're 
that's that's just a start and actually it takes many days weeks months years um to to make sense of that and then you know lots of our staff um bounce back really quickly or, or don't have any problems um from responding and that's and that's great but actually it's really important that we support our staff through mm -hmm. that and um and we have got staff that are affected from major incidents from decades ago mm -hmm. um that actually there isn't sometimes an end to that that we yeah. change the direction of people's lives from the things we expose them to um and as a goal, that's really important to understand that in the sense of um, the support that we're putting in straight after the incident. And we don't always get it right. And uh, uh, and we have to learn from every incident, um, but we are getting better at, uh, at supporting our staff. We've got great counseling services and teams to yes. uh, to help do this. And But as goals, it's making sure that that's put in right at the beginning. And as Graham said earlier, we're thinking about that as the incident is still live, as we've arrived in here, is what is, what does it look like in, at the end of shift? Where are our staff gonna go for a debrief? Um, have we got the right refreshments in place? All of that stuff is really important mm -hmm. to look after our people. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this is actually episode three, but episode four is all about staff wellbeing. Um, we've got Jules and Kieran who are gonna come on to that one and tell us all about the, the services that we have in-house for staff um, yeah. that they can turn to when, when they need a little bit of help. So that'll be really interesting. But thanks for that, Stuart. And thank you, Peter and Graham. We really appreciate the work that you guys do. Um, and that actually brings us nicely on to the end part of this podcast, which involves a small task and the guests who have come on so far have really embraced the task and enjoyed it. So what I ask I'm is... I'm really enjoying Peter and Graham's face now. This is brilliant. <laughs> That's the best one. That looks like abject horror. <laughs> it's really simple. All I want is your best ambulance Nino sound. And that can be a simple Nino to a full like soprano rendition with horn and everything. So I think just... I can feel his heart racing from here. <laughs> Could someone get Graham some water? <laughs> a cold flannel. <laughs> so I've actually got a little bell here and I'm going to ping you all in. going to start with Graham so we can just... No, going to start, start, start with Peter. Yes. Well, what if he does it really good and then... <laughs> think about it. Uh, no, I am. No, I'm trying to think. So I've heard many sirens in my time. So I'm trying to think about the one that's probably, yeah, ones that resonate with me most. going to go continental. Really? Yeah, no, I think I am, actually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That would be really interesting when I flick the thing in four <laughs> seconds time. Yeah, there is a bell here for the purpose There's of There is a bell. Listening. Are you ready? Have you taken a drink of water? You don't have any. Um, Three, two, one. <laughs> that went on for a while, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. Well, we're going <laughs> quite a long, going quite the, a long way. That was the um, Belgium, the be, the Belgian. Ambient. I think it is. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely continental Europe. Continental yeah, but I do Europe. like that because I think yeah I'm very much of the view. So Graham, if you come back and sit in your seat, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it is. So if I was in charge of sirens, I think that's definitely what we would have. Well, you won't be. But thank you. Oh no, he might be. You never oh, I know might be. Him, so he might yeah. be. Yeah. So, in fact, have you got a hand in it already? Yeah, so, I might have. I might be yeah. assistant director of sirens. Yeah, yes. You're prepared for that task. Thank you, Peter. We're we're going to go to Graham next. So. Get ready, just, this is a safe space. 
Now was listening. That was pretty good, actually. So, what? Where was that from? Was that a, a, an LAS siren? Yes, it was fleet number eight seven four one. Oh, great! <laughs> I actually preferred that. It wasn't. It was. It was really nice. Um, no pressure, Stuart, but I really want you to give it your best shot. Right. I'm going to go continental as well, uh, following the theme. And yeah. what, um, are you going to go for like an alto, a tenor? Well, let's see. Okay. Get ready. <laughs> can we put this in the podcast? <laughs> yes, we can. That's a, that's a really good French siren. It's a donkey. It sounds like a donkey. Well, well done, recognising it. If that, you're watching the Pink Panther or something. <laughs> yes. That's left us stunned. I hope it's left you stunned. And thanks, guys, for no, joining me. Yeah, yeah, bye-bye. It's been an honour. An honour? There you go. Wow. Thank you so much to our guests, Peter, Stuart and Graham. They are super knowledgeable and surprisingly calm. Naturally, major incidents are a part of life in any emergency service and we prepare for them. But I think it's really important what Stuart has said in this episode about incidents often being seen as a moment in time. But of course, as an organisation, we provide ongoing support for months and even years after an event. That fact alone really highlights the important, stressful and high impact role that staff across our service have. And I think we can all agree that they deserve our admiration. Well, that's it for this week. Subscribe and follow and stay tuned for next week when we'll be chatting about the buzzword of the year, well-being. 999 mode activated.